This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Amazon Web Services, a comprehensive cloud platform and business services provider supported by a global network of data centers. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. What is the key to successful supply chain digitization? For that matter, what does that even mean? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is a Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Supply chain digitization is all the rage today, but it can be tough nailing down the precise meaning of the term, let alone launching a successful initiative for that purpose. What's undeniable is that supply chains need to replace a bunch of manual processes with automated systems that can handle a massive flow of data from supply chain partners and meet ever-increasing demands for service by end customers. On this episode, I'm speaking with Brian Reed, Worldwide Supply Chain Leader with Amazon Web Services. We'll learn what digitization is all about and the types of cutting-edge collaborative technologies that are required to make it happen. Here's my conversation with Brian Reed. Brian Reed, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. Brian, before we delve into the discussion of supply chain digitization, I would appreciate your giving me a definition of what that word means to you. Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, digitization is a fairly new word, at least in the supply chain space for the past few years. And we see a lot of different customers and partners and those in the industry come up with different definitions. For us at Amazon and AWS and Amazon Business, we really see these as digital transformation initiatives that help supply chains in the world and different companies and different sizes really increase the flexibility and agility and the visibility to allow them to really have these resilient supply chains. It's really a two-step process. The first is the digitization or really taking what is usually a manual process or system or maybe even manual in the sense that it might be using some of the more basic applications out in the market. And after that step of actually getting the information into a system, then we really see the second stage of digitization of the automation of that information. So while digitization is literally getting the physical into the digital, we really partner that up with the automation step also. Okay, well, thank you for that definition, Brian. When we talk about what aspects of the supply chain are actually being, quote unquote, digitized, when which ones are most in need of it, and where are we seeing the most action happening? Yeah, I think it really starts with the data. You just mentioned the digitization is the, is the first step of getting the data into the system. But once you've got the data into the system, you really have to be able to manage that data. So having it in a centralized location, having potentially a canonical data model that supports that specific to the use cases, in this case, talked about supply chain, that's really the, the first step that I see. After you've got the data in one place, then it's really what can I do with that? How can I drive value, improve my supply chain, look around corners. And so that's really about developing and maintaining an architecture, a software, a tool set that really helps support that. 
So that can be building an architecture and platform that helps you manage these supply chains. It can be purchasing those from different partners that might be out in, in the echo space. And then also being able to use these integrated systems across all the locations within your supply chain. And so that centralization of data starts to really pull the supply chain together. At the same time, you know, cost and time are a big part of this that I see in the processes is that as we go through this digitization, it's really about how do I find the value within my supply chain that's saving costs, that's also identifying increased revenue and other opportunities. And it's also on the time side, and of course, time can turn into cost. But really, how do we look at that? How do we have these investments in the technology and the infrastructure and the personnel really all work together? And speaking of personnel, change management, of course, is also a big part of this process and making sure that you're working with teams and understanding what those teams' needs are, that they're feeling a part of the process and that they feel like they have an input into it, they're getting a value out of it, and they really help drive this digitization, not just as an organization, but actually as individuals within that organization, uh, due to you know, the, the kind of human nature to be a bit resistant to some yeah, of these technology sure. process changes. Yeah. I do want to talk to you more about that in a moment, but I just want to also get a sense of what is your sense? I mean, digitization is all the rage right now. It's one of the most commonly used phrases in supply chain management. But what actual progress do you see in companies making progress toward that end? I see a lot of these changes being accelerated in these days that we're talking to now. I mean, I've been in supply chain probably longer than I'd like to admit. But you know, over the years, we've been doing in the industry of supply chain, we as practitioners have really been doing a lot of work in digitalization. And I think that we're now starting to see even more action in the areas of like inventory management, supply management, warehouse management, transportation management. And if you think about where the industry as a whole and supply chain, but also in the technology space is today with the real advancements of things like Gen AI, we're starting to see that next acceleration step. And I look at these, each stage is a bit of an acceleration going back 20 years. Each time we have a new technology or a new capability come along, we kind of push on that acceleration a little bit faster and make sure that we can get this value using the technologies that are available at each step in the process. Let me hit you with another popular word these days that can be quite vague and difficult to define. What do we mean when we talk about a collaborative approach to digitization? Collaboration with whom? Yeah, collaboration with whom? That's a great question. I think that when you think about collaboration, there's lots of different parties, personas that are a part of that. Obviously, you can think of internally within an organization, there's different personas in the organization across different teams. Sometimes those are even within supply chains. So that can be across the operational teams in places like warehouse management and going into things like planning and how do they really work around what inventory do I have? What inventory do I need? How does that impact things like my demand planning and making sure that I've got enough things to either service my customers or even to manufacture the products for my customers. But it also goes across outside the four walls of the organization that can go into suppliers or vendors, depending on what the organization might call them and how they can understand what is available to be produced and service them over time, what's actually coming, when it's coming, how that impacts their ability to either have their own production or their own distribution out to their customers. And then it's also the providers, the physical providers that help all of these parties moving things around the world, whether it's an ocean cargo or air cargo or truck, really understanding what those are and getting those products around the world and being able to collaborate 
it's not just a information sharing, right? That's that's the easy part. Uh, although that has its own complexity to it, but it's how do we work together to make the process more efficient for all the parties involved? You alluded to the issue of change management. I guess before I don't know. Is this true that before you can collaborate with your outside partners, you have to get your own house in order? So, to what degree is that a challenge? Getting all these different functions within an organization to achieve some level of collaboration, and does that have to happen first? before you go outside to digitize uh, processes, or is it kind of something that all has to move forward in tandem? I think there's options, and it really just kind of depends on your particular instance. There's times and there's processes or use cases where, yes, you probably need to get certain steps of your own process internally as an organization, get them in a line, get them collaborating across different teams, and then reach outside of your own four walls to the other organizations that support or that you support in the supply chain. But at the same time, I think that there are times when you can do these things in parallel, and, and sometimes they're, they're collaborative. In other words, the use case that you're changing really is a change in, in a triangle or a square of multiple parties that need to do synchronous things at the same time. In other words, I can change something internally, but that might change and disrupt the collaboration I already have externally. Therefore, I need to do them in parallel. We need to change both the internal and external collaboration at the same time to meet the same needs. Collaboration is, of course, by definition, a two-way street. So when we're looking outside the organization, what are the challenges involved in getting all your supply chain partners on board, both in terms of adopting the necessary technology and business processes that would allow true collaboration, therefore digitization, or maybe it's the other way around, I don't know, but allow that in, a, in an extended supply chain? This is a great point. I think equal access is one of those things that's really important when you're collaborating outside of your four walls. Inside, you can, one for one, make it a bit more of a mandate that this is how we collaborate. These are the processes and so and or potentially the tool sets that we use for the collaboration. But when you're going outside, especially if you take the example of working with a supply base and a number of suppliers, you could have a high variety of the sophistication and the process and the tool sets that those different partners are using. And in most cases, you can't mandate what they're going to use. So you may need to be more flexible and say with these partners, it's as complex as an EDI or an application program interface transaction between two systems and the two organizations, all the way down to the simplicity of email or phone or fax. And you have to be open to that flexibility. Of course, skewing toward the ones that's going to be more automated and more digitized and therefore providing more efficiency and value. But you really have to be open because if you're not, if you've got a few thousand suppliers one, you aren't going to get them all uh, if you're not that flexible. And two, you may not even get the critical ones you need. There may be someone that's operating a business out of a small warehouse or even out of their own home or garage, right, making mm -hmm. O-rings for you that are critical to the production. And if you can't meet them where they are in the technology equation, then you're not going to complete the goals that you need to go after. So you do have to allow for that, right? I mean, the burden, I don't know if you want to call it that, but the responsibility for acquiring the necessary technology and resources, that doesn't fall so heavily on like a third or fourth or fifth tier supplier, maybe a small entity. It's not a problem for that particular entity to acquire the necessary resources to achieve this supply chain collaboration. I think you also have to make it a two-way street. Yeah. So I think historically it's been a lot of, if, you have, if I think of the retail industry, it's, I'm the big retailer, you're my supplier, I'm going to tell you what to do, and if you don't do it, you just aren't going to be my supplier. I think even in the retail industry and other industries nowadays, they're, they're remembering that we all need to work in this together. If I give them something that's valuable for them, they're more willing to give us something valuable too. So I think of it in a you know, traditional carrot and stick. 
is that if mm-hmm. I am going to tell them to do something, they're going to be a bit more resistance back to that kind of change management on the external. But if I give them the apple and say, hey, I'm going to be your partner, I'm actually going to give you something bad that helps make your business better, not just for me, but for you on your own, they're going to be more willing to be a part of that collaboration and maybe even take bigger steps than they would have otherwise. But in the past with the big retailers, I guess we won't name any names here, but I guess it was all stick or mostly stick with suppliers, right? That was the definition of collaboration back then. So things have changed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say every retailer that I've seen, and, I, and I've spoken to quite a few even this year in, in different countries like uh, Australia, Thailand, United States, it's very much becoming this understanding that the collaboration needs to be there and it needs to be at a deeper level and a more, like I said, bi-directional benefit level. At the same time, this business needs to be done. Uh, standards need to exist. There's certain efficiencies that need to be taken care of to make sure that everyone's getting the most value out of it. But I do feel like the line on the perpetual pendulum is, is kind of moving one direction more than it is the other. And I think that changing what's been in the past and really making a change for the future, I think it's beneficial for everyone. And even if you feel like as a retailer, oh, I'm, I'm giving up some of the control I had before, you should be getting more value, right? And I think that's what the, those customers of the retailers out there are actually seeing more of that impact in, in their business today. Getting back to digitization, which, again, by its very nature, implies technology. What are the types of collaborative technologies that are out there right now that can help? Yeah, you know, there's a wide range of collaborative technologies that exist today. There's some simple ones just from a transactional perspective that allow you to transmit messages back and forth, whether that's our our old traditional EDI exchange type of ideas, whether that's the, the more modern versions of AS2 or others. There's also products, technologies out there that exist that allow people to generate and share data through more of like a document management kind of perspective. So think of certificates, permits, things along those lines, which are more document-based in the first place. But I think there's some new technologies in the market that are now starting to share even more detailed-based information around things like demand, supply, sustainability information, like carbon calculation, and not just at the broad overall me as a supplier and me as a purchaser, but even down to the component or subcomponent level in the N-tier type of basis and N being the variable in that phrase. I have to say, though, that I just wondered the extent to which you think this technology is actually taking hold at this point, because uh, I've been in this business also for longer than I'd like to admit. But I can remember <laughs> over the decades, everyone talking about how we've got to get rid of those Excel spreadsheets. And the people I talked to today say, oh, yeah, we still got the Excel spreadsheets. So do you think that actually we are seeing real progress toward the transformation of these manual processes into truly digital processes? I probably have two beliefs there. One is, yes, I do feel like we are turning a bit of a corner in that space of what's being done in a more manual process with some of the more basic solutions in the market. And and I do think that there's some new technologies that not, I think two things. One is they are helping make the process a little bit easier than maybe there in the past and some of the exchanges. And if I go back to my early days in technology in the early 2000s, all the matrices, the, the matrix technology and terminology that was used back then, I think that the technology is a little bit better. But I also think that, as we just mentioned before, the feeling in these different industries and the willingness to collaborate and the identification that they need to collaborate is heightened 
in these past, I'd say even in the past just a couple of years, especially with the impacts around COVID and what, what's coming out of that and the amount of collaboration, especially in industries like healthcare, life science, but even in tangential industries into things like automotive, people realize that this communication, this sharing of information only makes us all better. And the last thing I would say is that even though we've got the technology and we've got this feeling, the spreadsheets are never going to die, right? Because the spreadsheet <laughs> is a gap filler. And if there's a, if there's a hole in the need, someone's going to use a spreadsheet. So even if we solve some problems, there's always going to be a new problem. And the initial simple answer is probably going to be a spreadsheet. And then we have a new technology. And, and then I would say, too, with things like generative AI and machine learning, having this information in one place now lets us use that new technology. But again, if you're in a spreadsheet, using machine learning is difficult and generative AI is it's close to impossible or at least expensive. And so yeah. I think those are our stocks and drivers that are pushing us. Well, the moment you start talking about digitization, do you not start talking about access to a flood of data that you didn't have before? But now you have the problem of what to do with that flood of data, and it seems that that automatically <laughs> demands a level of analytics that can only be provided by AI and machine learning. Do you think that that particular technology is what is finally making true digitization possible? I think if nothing else, it's a topic and a topic with some value drivers and proof already that is being talked about at the board level. And therefore, at the board level, they're asking their team, say, what are we doing in machine learning and, and generative AI? And, and how are we utilizing that? Uh, I would argue that when you look at bringing this data together, there's a good subset of just having the data in one location and having better visibility to it versus having to dig through a spreadsheet or an email. That alone provides a lot of value, which maybe is just, I call it basic math. It could be you know, entry-level mm -hmm. algorithms, and it's not to the deep level of a machine learning AI or even gen AI. But if you've got that, you've got the volume, because I think that's a key thing for things like uh, AI ML and, and gen AI is you have to have a volume of data, and that to be a historical volume of data for things like certain going back and looking at historical information on using machine learning then you have these next steps you can't get to, all three of which you can't do, as you just said, without having a bulk or all of your data that's centralized and digitized. We have yet, obviously, to reap the full benefits of current technology, as amazing as it might be toward the digitization of supply chains. But I wondered if you could peer into your metaphorical crystal ball for a moment and say what types of cutting-edge technologies do you think will be essential to collaboration and digitization in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I love to think about <laughs> you know, what the future is and, and have done so most of my career. And in fact, have got some great results I've seen recently. And I think to me, if we think about this digitization and the pulling of data together, I think about what are some of the big problems that I, I personally just haven't seen solutions yet to, but people are constantly struggling with. I think SNOP planning is one that pops up in my mind very quickly. And that's both an internal and an external problem where, you're gathering information from across your organization, even if it's digitized, even in you know, companies that are out there running a lot of highly digital solutions and have this data, it's still siloed by group. So you might have the production team have their digitized information someplace, sales team another place, supply chain another place. And then everyone spends a number of days getting together, talking about their data and where it comes from, and then arguing, arm wrestling, and then coming to a collaboration on what the answer is. And it takes days and weeks. And by the time you're done with the SNOP process, guess what? It's time to start it over again. So mm -hmm. I think if we can take this digitization process and some of the tool sets that we can apply to that, that help us gather this data across these disparate silos, then I think that's an area where it can be very ripe for some really innovative solutions in the future.
Brian, tell me about AWS and what its place today is in the digitization of supply chains and how it's facilitating that on behalf of its own customers. Yes, so AWS is really focused on digitizing supply chains for their customers, and, and we think about it starting at the foundational level of the data. And so how do we help customers get the data into a centralized location in a supply chain canonical data model so it speaks the language of supply chain right outside the box and customers don't have to do as much configuration or setup. I think also easing the ingestion of that data and making that more simple through pre-built adapters, machine learning techniques that go against the data to help identify the right data, make sure it's in the right format, and get it into the, the centralized data store. That's really the foundation of it. And so once we've got that data in a single location, then we as AWS have other features and technologies that we apply that help our customers uh, do actions on that data, get innovation out of that data, get analytics out of that data. Uh, and this is much how we think about it across not just the production side, but also the procurement side of the, of the process. And that's where AWS really works a lot with our partners at Amazon Business to make sure that our customers are understanding the digital side of the procurement process that connects to the entire part of the supply chain. All tiers of procurement, right? All the way upstream? Yeah. I mean, you know, with Amazon Business, it's a journey much like it has been with AWS and any business that we really incubated within Amazon and then identified the need that our customers have these same needs. So if you think about AWS, we started with some basic infrastructure things and we started with some more complex services around IoT. And now we're working what we call the application space for things like supply chain, which acts more like a SaaS application. Amazon business is very similar. They've started with, hey, consumers love buying from Amazon. Why can't we give a business that same feature and feel and, and kind of the power of that, but also layer in the things that business needs. Like, I would like to buy from minority-owned businesses, or I want to look at the sustainability of that. And starting with the tail spend, but moving upstream through different parts of indirect spend into the direct spend in the future, it's really going to, it's an evolution that we're in the midst of, and it's an exciting one we're going through with our customers. Brian Reed of Amazon Web Services, I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights into what it means to digitize supply chains in a collaborative mode, the technologies and the processes that are required to make that happen, and what progress is being made toward that end. Thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's a great discussion. That was my conversation with Brian Reed of Amazon Web Services, talking about supply chain digitization. We thank AWS for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read our Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter or X, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>